What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. 2019 rookie wide receiver class gave us five wide receivers that finished in the top 33 in non-PPR and top 37 in PPR. Five of the top 37. That's pretty good. Oddly enough, it did not include the two players who were drafted in the first round in the NFL draft, which would be Nikhil Harry and Marquise Brown. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today. We are recapping the 2019 rookie wide receivers. It was a really strong year for those guys. I am Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, and Ben Gretsch. And we will get to your emails a little bit later. What's going on, guys? How about those rookie wide receivers, Ben? Pretty good season, huh? Yeah, I think one of the best rookie seasons we've seen in several se- several years. I mean, I think you can go back to 2014, which was kind of the class that made everyone else think uh, from from 2015, 16, 17 that that every other class could be you know a lot better than what it was, and we finally saw that in 2019, where where we saw that type of 2014 production years later. Jamie Heath, uh, your thoughts, your overall thoughts. By the way, we have a lot of news and notes to get to as well, including what a Tyrod Taylor-led team could look like in Los Angeles. What were your thoughts, guys, on uh, the rookie wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, it like the obvious part was how good the good rookie wide receivers were, but the depth of this class, pretty remarkable. 16 different receivers earned at least 40 targets. 10 of them were over 8 yards per target, which is definitively good. So I think like it's not just those guys that finished high in terms of fantasy points. There are a lot of wide receivers that are good by low candidates in terms of dynasty. Your level of disrespect to one of the rookie wide receivers is unfounded. Mine? Yours. What I do? Read off the list of rookie wide receivers that you have in your notes. Where in my notes? Wide receiver questions. 2019 rookie wide uh-huh. receivers. You made a, no- a list of, First of all, for yourself. Go ahead. Read the What list. are you doing reading my notes? You never read my notes. I, uh, I was, Marquise I was Brown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marquise Brown, Nikhil Harry, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, McCole Hardman, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Jalen Hurd, Terry McLaurin, Miles Boykin, Akeem Butler, Gary Jennings Jr., Riley Ridley, Hunter Renfro, Darius Slayton, Keyshawn Johnson, Travis Fulgham, Jawan Winfrey, Marcus Green, Kelvin Harmon, Scott Miller, Quinton Bell, Josh Ursua, Terry Godwin, Dylan Mitchell, and B.C. Johnson. Would either of you like to point out who he left out? I did like I wasn't really listening to him. I didn't. That, that many, was a lot of names. Words. Yes, <laughs> you left out Preston Williams. Level of disrespect is unbelievable. Ooh, wow, uh, that's a bad job. Sorry about that. Yeah, and, that is a bad job. I was just looking so at the draft. Not not only did did I 
check your notes. I also did a, a quick search to see if you have Preston Williams there. You have an email question about Preston Williams. So you didn't even read the question that was posed to you, <laughs> and then you left out Preston Williams when talking about the rookie wide receivers. I, I didn't. You guys are free to bring up whoever you want. I didn't leave anyone out. We haven't even started talking. Well, you about had a whole them. list. Let's go you have, to, a, you have uh, a whole list. You you have Travis. I can't even pronounce the last name in here. Jawan Winfrey in here. He's favorite receiver of all time. Akeem Butler in here. Yeah. But you left out Preston Williams. Look, I didn't leave them out. Just putting their. No, you left them out. Okay, so I. I did a couple of, uh, of Twitter polls. Let's see what the results say. Which Does of Preston these wide Williams receivers play in the be... NFL? Is that one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to be drafted by an NFL team to be considered a rookie? Uh, all right. Which of these wide receivers should be drafted first in a PPR league? DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, or Terry McLaurin? Metcalf, AJ Brown, Debo, or Terry McLaurin? Heath, who do you think should be drafted first? I've gone back and forth on this a lot already, and I think I probably will more, but right now I'll say Terry McLaurin. I think he has the most opportunity for growth in terms of targets. There's not really a lot of competition there. I expect Dwayne Haskins to be better as a passer. I'm a little bit more concerned about the other guys in terms of what share and how many targets are available on their team. Wow. I know who Ben thinks it is, obviously. I was going to ask a question. How many burner accounts does Ben have to vote multiple times? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did I did a, a campaigning through through all my box and, and, and really voted heavily for A.J. Brown. I, I just, yeah, I genuinely think that's crazy. Like, I, I think A.J. Brown was way better than Terry McLaurin. He was a way better prospect coming in, much better breakout age, much better um, – college production even playing with really good teammates like dk metcalf who was also in this poll and i think he's he's a, a, like all, as close as you can get to a can't miss superstar after one year well i okay we're we're not talking about a dynasty league right yeah so we're just no. talking about 2020 and i just don't know like what's going to change on the titans that's going to lead to aj brown getting more than maybe 100 targets because we know he's not going to average 12.5 yards per target. He's probably going to lose 25% of that. If he's over 10, it will be spectacular. And so he, he needs to see like a, a huge increase in the target volume. I don't know that Tennessee's offense is going to change in really any way going into 2020. Well, I think the hope would be 16 games of Tannehill as opposed to, you know, what do you have, nine? Right, but I don't think like his target share was – it was bigger, but it wasn't huge in the second half either. It's not – He's not no, but they they, they, they showed a little bit more trust in their passing game as opposed to what they showed with Mariota. And the hope would be is that if you're going to pay Ryan Tannehill to whatever level they're paying him, franchise tag or long-term deal, that you're paying him with the chance to build off what he did, not just necessarily manage a lot of the game as we saw from time to time. I'm also expecting the run game to take a little bit of a step back, whether that's you know Derrick Henry getting hurt or just not being as successful. Um, so I, I mean, for me, it's AJ Brown too. I just think that, you know, I, I don't have the same love that Ben does. Um, but, but I see why he loves him. And I do think there's the chance for him to maybe not replicate his numbers exactly, but to be in a similar range for what he was able to do. I, I just don't know if Terry McLaurin, you know, his, like Ben said, you know, his, his, what and people viewed him as a blocker. I mean, you know, it was right. it was it was such a, a disrespect to what he was as a college player. But I just don't know if he has the ability to take a huge leap forward. I think kind of what we saw is is the type of player that maybe he could be. But 
consistently, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Like on a per game basis last year, in terms of fantasy production, he was better than AJ Brown. Oh, he was he was a monster. Right. You know, there, there was there was but, some extremely dominant performances, but is that sustainable? Yeah, I know. Seriously, I, I hate when you throw that stuff out there when it is so obviously misleading because A.J. Brown was the number three wide receiver yes. in Ryan Tannehill's 10 starts in non-PPR. You would think he was number seven in PPR. So you, can't, you can't say that, Heath. You're misleading oh, the public. Oh, I, I can say it. I, <laughs> I just did. It's like the, the partial sample size that we know is not sustainable in terms of efficiency isn't necessarily more predictive than the per game averages from last year. Like, yes, AJ Brown was incredible and he's very good and I like him. This is not negative about AJ Brown at all. I don't know what his growth potential is when he's going to have to increase his targets by 25% just to match what he did last year. But if you look at his snap shares, all throughout September, he played in the 40% range. All throughout October, he was right around 60%. He first hit what you could consider a full-time snap share in week 10 when Corey Davis missed a game. And then they had, I believe, a bye week 11. And from then on, he was essentially the number one wide receiver. It was a a different type of season for him than Terry McLaurin, who was the full-time wide receiver one from week one. So you can't really look at at per-game averages, in my opinion, when comparing these guys. Terry McLaurin, to me, very clearly the number two guy on this poll. I'm not trying to, to attack him too much. I do agree with a lot of the points he's made. And I do think he'll have a very good career. But I, I think when we're trying to compare these two guys, we need to look. I, he's right that the production in, in the late season was very efficient. It's going to be hard to sustain that. But we also need to look at that more closely than the early part of the season because his role changed throughout the year, much like DJ Moore's did in his first season. And in the second season, we actually saw DJ Moore play a full season. Uh, Terry McLaurin's didn't, ch- I mean, it didn't have to change because he started as a starter from week one. Well, he also had the you know okay. you know quarterback shuffle scenario, which was worse than what AJ Brown had. I, I think that the thing with the Washington offense, comparatively to the Tennessee offense, Tennessee offense is probably going to be the same, barring the two big pieces leaving. Right. If they bring back Tannehill and Henry, it's almost going to be a replica of 2019. I, that's what I'm projecting. Yes. But for Washington, though, we could see another couple of pass catchers added. I mean, their their tight end situation is almost wiped out. Because who knows what's happening with Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis retired. Right. So is it McLaurin, Steve Sims, and Trey Quinn? You know, I mean, is, is that what the receiving court looks like? Right. I don't think so. I would imagine that that's something that has to be completely retooled. So does McLaurin stay the same as, you know, the? I, I think he's going to be the number one guy. It'd be shocking that they would add somebody because free agency doesn't have that type of star power unless they get an Amari Cooper, AJ Green. I doubt those guys go there. Uh, and then is it a rookie coming in and does – a Terry McLaurin like performance, or is it just another complimentary piece? You know, so the, that I think is is the big part of this with McLaurin is what's the next thing for this Washington office? Because yes, Dwayne Haskins should be better, but to what degree is Terry McLaurin maybe worse? Not because of him as a player, just because of what the situation is. McLaurin splits, by the way, seven games before Dwayne Haskins took over as a starting quarterback, seven games with Haskins as a starting quarterback. Haskins played a little bit in those first seven games, but just looking at starts versus non-starts, the catches, the yards are very similar. I think he had five touchdown catches, though, before Haskins took over and only two with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, It's small sample size, obviously. I think one thing that's pretty interesting about these rookie wide receivers is that, unfortunately, a lot of them are on offenses that just don't throw the ball. Four prominent rookie wide receivers were on teams that finished in the bottom five in pass attempts. That would be McLaurin, 
Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and Marquise Brown. I've given this stat before, but in the last five seasons, there's only been one wide receiver who's finished top 12 in PPR on an offense that was in the bottom five in pass attempts. That was Doug Baldwin. It was five seasons ago. Uh, So it's a hard thing to do. And Tennessee has been in the bottom five in pass attempts four straight seasons. So (laughs) I hope they don't make it five in a row. But, but DK Metcalf they, but, is not right. one of those. Yeah, and I think that's that's a big that's a great point. That's a big point of what I was trying to say is like if that changes and you told me they are going to throw the ball even 525 times this year, then I I would agree with Ben completely. I'd much rather have AJ Brown next year. Okay, but Washington was also on that list. I mean, they were a ground and pound team as much as they could be. But DK Metcalf's team was not on that list, and he actually finished second in the poll. Uh, AJ Brown won it with 42% of the vote. DK Metcalf, 25.4% of the vote, followed by Debo Samuel, third, and then Terry McLaurin, fourth. Uh, Jamie, quick word on DK Metcalf and, and what you think about him, and, and I guess Debo as well, who, you know, I think he's broken this down. A lot of his production was rushing totals. He led all wide receivers with, rush, with rushing yards, and a lot of his production was two games without George Kittle. Um, but yeah, just let's give a little love to the other two guys on the poll, Metcalf and Debo. I mean, look, Metcalf, as we saw, started to take off toward the middle to the end of the season. You know, you can sort of debate who's the number one receiver going into 2020 for Seattle. It's going to be Tyler Lockett or or Metcalf. I think most of us will still say Lockett based on what he showed us last year and, and, and the type of player that he is and where he'll line up. But, I mean, you know, Metcalf certainly, you know, put to rest any of those conversations about is he just a one-trick pony? Can he only go down the field? He certainly showed that he has a little bit more to offer and picked up his game as the season went on. So uh, I'm excited about him next year. I, I, I would actually take him ahead of Me- of uh, uh, McLaurin right now, but that's probably uh, just me being in the minority on that one. I just think that he has uh, a little bit of a higher ceiling to get to. I also think that we're going to see Seattle open up the offense a little bit, which is, I know is not the the conventional thinking, but you know Russ is starting to complain a little bit, you know, and and, and that's going to matter. I think it's going to carry some weight, especially how he played last season, how I think he wants to be perceived, how he wants to play, how he wants his offense to go. And, and Metcalf, I think, is a big reason why. Plus, you have the running back injuries that they're going to be dealing with. Uh, for Samuel, it's going to be tough to trust him. I, I think as anything more than a number three fantasy receiver coming into the season. But again, that sort of speaks to what San Francisco is going to do this offseason. Are they going to bring back Emmanuel Sanders? Are they going to add another piece? If it's Samuel and George Kittle as the top two pass catchers here, I think Kyle Shanahan was great at adapting to what the San Francisco offense was last year. Their running game was exceptional. Their defense was phenomenal. But we've seen him in the past. He's a coach that likes to throw the ball a little bit, not to the extent of some of the play callers that we know that like to open up uh, their offenses. But his number one receiver traditionally has been a very high-targeted, successful type of fantasy option. And I hope Debo Samuel has the chance to get there. Can he be 120 targets? Probably not. Can he get to 110? I don't know what you haven't projected for, Heath. But if he could be in that 100 to 110 range, then maybe what we saw from uh, uh, McLaurin this year um, – uh, you know, maybe a DK Metcalf this year. Maybe that's the type of fantasy numbers he can get. Different way that he'll get there, right. but maybe that type of fantasy production. So I think he's going to be a guy that sort of is in your lineup one week, got a lineup next week. You know, not a consistent fantasy producer, but somebody that you can rely on a few times throughout the season. Yeah, I think like Metcalf surprised me in that he was that good as a rookie because he came into last year and we thought, well, he's probably got more upside than any of these guys. So what he could be if he learned how to play wide receiver, he could be one of the best receivers in the league. And he took that big first step as a rookie, and I I think that makes you more excited about what he could be long-term. I just don't know. I didn't see enough in terms of volume from Samuel to know how much different was last year from Dante Pettis. Because 
Dante Pettis was phenomenal for about a six or seven game stretch. And I, I think Samuel's a better prospect and better wide receiver, but I, I also expect they're going to add somebody. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree, unless, again, Sanders comes right. back. But the, the difference, I think, would be the quarterback play. You know, right. Pettis did all of his stuff with Mullen and Bethard, whereas, you know, at least Debo had Jimmy Garoppolo running the show. We got more Twitter polls. We got a lot more rookie wide receivers to talk about, including Preston Williams, maybe. That's up to Jamie, Heath, and Ben. We're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football Today. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. All right, back to the wide receivers. Our second Twitter poll, let's assume Sammy Watkins is not on Kansas City next season, a probable boost for Hardman. Which of these wide receivers should be drafted first in a PPR league? Marquise Brown, Nikhil Harry, Miko Hardman or Darius Slayton? Marquise Brown, Nicole Hardman, or Nikhil Harry, Miko Hardman, excuse me, Darius Slayton. This is assuming Sammy Watkins is not back with Kansas City. Ben, Marquise Brown won the Twitter poll, followed by Miko Hardman, followed by Darius Slayton. They all had 24 to 37% of the vote. Nikhil Harry, only 8%. Where would you have voted? I love that that screenshot that we have up on the screen has somebody, whoever took that, voted for Miko Hardman because they were correct. That's who I voted for as well. Uh, Heath will probably tell you that his yards per target also needs to, to regress. It was extremely high. It was even higher than AJ Brown's. It just like didn't qualify because he didn't have enough targets. Uh, but what we saw from McCall Hardman this year, kind of similar to, I guess what we saw from Debo Samuel, just on, uh, on fewer opportunities because they have so many options in that offense, but Kansas city wanted to get the ball in his hands. They did it a number of ways. Um, and particularly he was very efficient down the field and in the deep, um, the deep passing game and it had a number of long touchdowns. And we saw that continue into the postseason. Even though he wasn't playing a ton, he was still kind of a role player. They made him a player. like They think he can be a game-breaking player. That's a really good sign if Sammy Watkins is not on this offense next year. We know that his quarterback would be Patrick Mahomes. Um, yes, his efficiency would definitely come down from 13-plus yards per target, but I would absolutely take Nicole Hardman over the rest of these guys just on the the sheer upside and, and explosive potential in the offense that he's in. Yeah, I think the last p- couple of words that Ben said are the most important in, in the offense that he's in because I think Marquise Brown has enormous upside and explosive ability. I just don't know if he does with 75 targets in a season. I don't know why Baltimore would change too much of what they did. They'll throw a little bit more, but if Sammy Watkins was gone, I would definitely have Hardman ahead of Marquise Brown and probably in, like I think Hardman versus Debo Samuel would be really interesting in that type of situation. Yeah, it's hard to uh, it's hard to go against a receiver in a Patrick Mahomes offense and I think a lot of people look at Sammy Watkins this past year and, and and probably think, why would I want that? Because that's the role he would assume. Go back two years ago to what Sammy Watkins was in this offense, and I think that's the better indication. Or the playoffs. Yeah. Or, or the playoffs, that's fair. And, and I think the big reason why is you have a healthy Mahomes because Mahomes was dealing with the ankle injury and then missed two games with a knee injury, and then it was kind of just uh, not the same until we saw toward the end of the season when I think he was finally healthy. But that's, I think, the, the hope is that that's what you're getting. The thing about Marquise Brown is also we saw at the end of the season, the playoff game, he was a, a superstar when they had to throw. And so, you know, maybe they do open up the offense a little bit more and let the MVP play a little bit more 
as a passer, not necessarily just this ball control run offense, and he's just having to make spectacular plays with his legs as well as what he's able to do as a passer. But Marquise Brown was a guy that played through this foot injury for the majority of the season. Um, I was listening to a radio interview with uh, our buddy Dr. David Chow, and he said he was t- he was comparing it to Cam Newton, and he said Marquise Brown just played the entire season with essentially a Liz Frank injury. Um, so maybe he wasn't fully healthy. And hopefully, if he is fully healthy, then we could see a little bit more of an explosive player. Um, I, I do think that, you know, if you put the, the names back up, Adam, uh, you know, the other guys on this list are, are certainly interesting as well. Um, aside from Hardman and uh, uh, Marquise Brown, you know, there, there's a lot to like about I think, all, all four of these guys. Slayton is, is my favorite as a player. I just don't think his opportunities are going to be that great if you have a healthy Sterling Shepard, a healthy Evan Ingram, and a healthy um, Golden Tate because he's not going to get the targets that he needs. Yeah, I looked at that because I was the Giants' targets are really hard to figure yeah. out, and I looked at that last week, and he really needed two of those guys to be out. Even when one of them was out, he didn't have much success or much of a target volume. He needed two of those th- big three ahead of him to be hurt. So I, I, I love Slayton, but I'm not sure he has much chance this year. And Harry could be. Maybe the best. I mean, obviously, Pedigree puts him there with Marquise Brown based on his draft potential, his draft stock where he was taken in the first round. But who's the quarterback in New England? You know, and, and we don't really know what Nikhil Harry is because, you know, missing the start of the season last year, but going on IR with the uh, with the ankle injury, he really didn't get an opportunity. He had one game over five targets in his final uh, seven games that he played, final eight games that he played, and it was week 17 when he had seven. You know, so... Can we really say Nikhil Harry is a bust? I think it's way too soon to say that. And, you know, if, if you get Tom Brady back and it's Edelman, Harry, and, you know, let's sort of talk about, you know, maybe making a run at Austin Hooper or Hunter Henry, if they add that other piece to the offense that makes things open up a little bit, Harry could end up being the best guy there. Probably going to be the best value because he's going to go last of that group. So the four names were Marquise Brown, McCole Hardman, Nikhil Harry, and Darius Slayton. Do you think any of them will do better than this? 64 catches, 830 yards, five touchdowns. 64 catches, 830 yards, five touchdowns. That is what Sammy Watkins was on pace for in 2018. He only played 10 games, but it's actually not a little underwhelming. Uh, 64 catches, 830 yards, five touchdowns. I, I think we'd want one of those guys to do probably more than that, to do better than that. That's all he was on pace for? This yeah, year? Yeah, surprisingly. This year. No, no, no. 2018. Yeah, you're using the wrong sample size. You're using one of the games where I think he played like three plays or something that was always taken out of the sports. Um, But (laughs) I'm just saying, because I I know Jamie quoted that a lot last offseason, and it was a different number. It was like almost 1,000 yards or something. Yeah, yeah, he was was on pace much more than that. But yeah, I think Marquise Brown will be better than that next year, and I think Hardman would be if Watkins was gone. The thing is, Demarcus Robinson most likely is gone. And so, like... You look at what Sammy Watkins did with other guys. If it's Tyreek and then Hardman and then just a, a distant third receiver. Pringle. Right, right. Then I think you'd see Hardman be better than Sammy has been. There's one There's one guy I think that I don't know if if you want to include him in this conversation, but maybe could be better than all of them in, in PPR is Hunter Renfro. You know, from what we saw from him at the end of the season, his final seven games, four of those he was, I think, over um, – 16 PPR points. Yeah, I've got him projected over all these guys. And, and one spot at Brown. It, it 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 sort of ties into who the quarterback is there. Is it going to be Derek Carr? Because I think that helps Hunter Renfro. For sure. Brady, I think would help Hunter Renfro. Yep. You know, just as a guy who clearly loves you know throwing to slot wide receivers. Um, or is it somebody that's of of a different ilk that would maybe challenge down the field more? 
But I think Renfro is is uh, potentially better than all those guys, including if Hardman loses Sammy Watkins. Reminder to be patient with these wide receivers. Kenny Galladay in his rookie season, 28 catches, 477 yards, three touchdowns. Chris Godwin, rookie season, 34 catches, 525 yards, one touchdown. They're obviously two premier wide receivers now. Uh, ben, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say that that Renfro's, you know, probably going to be more of a safer, easier, projectable guy, you know, high catch rate. I think he had a, a ton of he did have a ton of yards after the catch this past year, a couple long touchdowns. A couple they took a, a couple slants to the house that the, that's going to regress a little bit. But, yeah, he'd be a safer pick. I would still probably prefer guys like Hardman for the upside. So I got some more wide receiver questions to throw at you. Let me promote a few things really quickly here. Fantasy baseball today is back in full swing. I thought we were going to have five episodes this week, but some people wanted to take a uh, holiday vacation. That's fine. So we have four this week. First base, second base, third base, and shortstop previews. But we're basically podcasting five days a week going forward. Um, We have the XFL episode. We're going to do a separate XFL episode. that's going to air, I think, on Thursday this week. So check that one out. And the Fantasy Football Today newsletter. You need to sign up at cbssports.com slash newsletter. Stay up to date with fantasy football content sent straight to your inbox all offseason long. News of the day, podcast content, editorial pieces, prospect profiles, rankings, and more. CBSSports.com slash newsletter. All right, here we go. Let me ask you this. Who, which rising sophomore wide receiver has the most 2020 upside? Of any of them? Define right. Like, yeah. How is this different than the first question about the poll? Well, that was who, who should be drafted first. It could be different. Who has the most upside? If it's not, that's fine. You can answer the same. AJ Brown. I'll say Metcalf. I'll say Harry. See? Very different. Who has the most career-long upside? AJ Brown. I'll say Metcalf. Metcalf. Wow, over AJ Brown. AJ Brown outproduced him (laughs) 2-1 to on the same team in college. You got to look at that a little bit. You do have to look at that a little bit. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Which rising sophomore wide receiver has the most bust potential? Nikhil Harry, probably, but I like him. Is he rising? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if he even qualifies as a rising yeah. wide receiver. What's he rising from? Um, you know what I mean. I guess probably Debo. Debo for sure. Debo? Okay. Yeah, I, I think Harry's going to go late enough. I don't know if it'll be a bust. Um, which? Well, it depends how you're qualifying. Rising or you know. up? No, I mean, if you're, if, soft, if, you're, sure. if you're using him based on what his NFL draft stock is, then he's got a ton of bust potential. Uh, which rising sophomore wide receiver did very little in 2019, but is poised for a big year in 2020? And Nikhil Harry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Preston Williams? Yeah. Preston, Preston Williams. Williams was just starting to take off before the ACL tear. He had 12 and then a a 12 PPR game and a 24 PPR game in two of his last three. And that was when Fitzpatrick was finally entrenched as the starter. Yeah. And that's so a, that's a big part of that is if you look at the splits for Devontae Parker, even he was way better when Fitzpatrick was a quarterback, him and Williams were almost identical up until Williams injury in terms of like yards per target. And then, you know, Parker blew up after Williams got hurt. Yeah, and, and that's an interesting part with Fitzpatrick because he tends to feature one guy. We don't always see with him, and it's, you know, throughout his career from Steve Johnson, Brandon Marshall, you know, uh, Parker. You know, there are just a ton of guys when he gets walked in on one, that guy blows up. He's made a lot of guys money, <laughs> you know. So 
who will he lock in on if he's the guy for 16 games? And that's the big question because we know that they're going to be in the market in the NFL draft for whether it's Tua Tungavailoa or Justin Herbert, as we got the rumor this week that they could be looking to Herbert. But if they uh, if they do give somebody additional starts, then you have to wonder which of these receivers will benefit. But Williams, just based on the ACL tear, is probably going to go significantly later than Devontae Parker. And if you're just looking for a piece of this Dolphins passing game, he's the one you want to gravitate toward. And I mentioned him earlier. Deontay Johnson may have done a little too much to qualify, but I think there's a situation if he clearly beats out James Washington and it's a clear one-two situation yeah. and bends back to his old self, then I think you could see both of those guys be top 30 wide receivers. You mean a 2-3 situation? Juju will be the one. No, I meant... Juju and Johnson as a one-two, kind of like we had with Antonio Brown and Juju as a one-two. Oh, I'm sorry. Where yeah, they're yeah, getting yeah, like yeah. 70 60 percent of Ben's targets or something. Right. Well, Heath, you mentioned at the beginning of the show there are some players who are buy low candidates in dynasty leagues, and that's sort of what I was thinking with with this question about someone mm. who did very little in 2019, is poised for a big year in 2020. I'm sure Deontay Johnson would be on that list. But look, there, JJ Ortega Whiteside. You got Paris Campbell. Uh, you got Andy Isabella and Akeem Butler. Uh, there, there might be some other names out Don't there. Don't forget Keyshawn Johnson. There these too. guys, yeah, sure. So, so who else? Yeah, I think those are the guys. Who, who that do you like? I'm, I'm trying to acquire in Dynasty for cheap rookie picks right now. When people have said, "Well, they had one bad year; they're not going to be anything," and I just want to get as many. I, I guess if I had to pick one, I would say Paris Campbell right now, as the teams are currently constructed. But I'm, I haven't given up on Hakeem Butler yet either. <laughs> he was hurt all year and nobody took that like from the rest of those rookies no one did anything they said well he's clearly a lot better than Akeem Butler uh, yeah, Keyshawn Johnson maybe he was at 4.4 yards per target it was the worst amongst the rookie wide receivers they like him though that matters a little bit yeah it, so ben, it matters oh for sure Ben give me a sort of sleeper sophomore wide receiver I think we we just named a bunch I like Isabella um he had a lot, a really, really strong production record in college. Um, but like to his point, if if you're talking about like trading a, a later round rookie pick for a guy like Hakeem Butler, I'd almost just rather try try again because uh, like if you were redrafting the 2019 class, where would you take Butler? Probably, I mean, he was more like a second round pick uh, after his landing spot, and and now he'd probably be at least a third or fourth round pick. I mean, I, I think I'd rather just try again on another flyer. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of these guys, you can't really, you know, you you gave those stats about Galladay and Godwin, and I do think it is really important to look at rookie season production. For Galladay, he, he, you know, he had a hamstring injury for Godwin. He wasn't really getting on the field, but he was really productive when he got on the field. It's kind of like a McCole Hardman situation, but it can't really be overstated that that um, how productive guys are in the rookie season does really uh, help predict the rest of their careers. So guys that were really, really ineffective, and this is one reason why I've gotten down on Harry. He did get some playing time, had a hard time earning targets, as Jamie said. And even when he did, I don't even think he had a 30-yard receiving game out of like four or five games. Um, it That can be a, a, a pretty good predictive tool. Yeah, but I, if he played 60 games, I'd agree with you. But the fact that who knows how healthy he was, you know, coming off of yeah. an ankle injury, it's hard to say. Learning the Patriots offense we know has been a challenge for a lot of guys, veteran guys included, you know, that have had to make the switch coming over middle of the season. Um, I got a couple. Kelvin Harmon is interesting. You know, if Washington doesn't add anybody else, he started to pick up some playing time and showed some flashes toward the end of the season. And Scott Miller, too. You know, you look at the beginning of the season for Tampa Bay. Remember, he was their third receiver. It's going to be hard for him to get a lot of targets, obviously. But, you know, if you're still a third guy in a Bruce Arians offense, you could have some production. We're talking late-round picks. It's not a bad guy to sort of take a flyer on just based on what this opportunity could be for him. If in fact it's Jameis Winston and they're going to still have this wide open passing game. 
What did you make of the fact that J.J. Ortega-Whiteside had such a quiet rookie season with all the injuries they had? And it was Greg Ward who stepped this, up. This, uh, to what, he, it was disappointing. To what Ben was talking about, this makes me more concerned about something like that because he's been yep. with the team and played in practice and did everything at a time when they were so desperate that it was – we're going to clearly lean on the two tight ends in, in Ertz and Goddard, which is not a bad thing given the production of those two guys. But Boston Scott was such a big part of the passing game. Miles Sanders was such a big part of the passing game that it was just – I'm not even going to take if, – if you're Carson Wentz and and, and uh, Doug Peterson, that they're not taking shots down the field. And like you said, Adam, they're using Greg Ward, who was basically uh, you know, desperation as as a converted quarterback. So, yeah, he, he makes me nervous. But I still think that if he gets a chance and shows himself in the spring and in the summer, then maybe there's an opportunity here depending on what they act. All right, let's do some news and notes here, and uh, we will finish up with your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Tyrod Taylor could be the Chargers quarterback, so he was the backup, and I think some people think Tyrod Taylor is really good, like Heath. I uh, I think he, I, I, you know, don't think it's great for fantasy, but um, Heath, what do you, like, what would this do to Keenan Allen if Tyrod Taylor were the starting quarterback for, for the Chargers? And I think that's where we will agree. Like, I would be interested in Tyrod Taylor as a late round quarterback as a streaming option if he was the starter for the Chargers with all those weapons. I would be unhappy. And I've really already kind of built it into the projections. Their quarterback play is almost certainly going to be worse than it was last year and than it has been in the last three or four years. I don't think they're, pr- I don't think there's a very good chance they're going to draft somebody or assign somebody that is currently better than Tyrod Taylor. So I would have interest in him in 2QB as a late-round streamer for sure, but it'd be bad news for Keenan Allen. It'd be bad news for Mike Williams. I'm not sure it'd be that bad of news for Austin Eckler as long as he's still a starting running back. What if it's Brady? Brady, I think, could be okay for Keenan Allen. Um, I would probably give up on the Mike Williams breakout if it was Tom Brady. I want to jump in on Austin Eckler. I think it would actually be worse for Austin Eckler than anyone else. I think it would be devastating for Austin Eckler's value. Philip Rivers has targeted running backs at an incredibly high rate throughout his career. He's particularly used him in the red zone across offensive coordinators. He can go back throughout his career. Um, Eckler and Gordon have combined for, I believe it's at least seven receiving touchdowns for three or four straight seasons, but you can go all the way back to Danny Woodhead in his two full seasons with the Chargers. He got injured the other two years he was on their, on their roster, but those two full seasons, he had six receiving touchdowns both years. Rivers loves to use his running uh, backs Tomlinson. in the red zone. What's that? Ladanian Tomlinson. Same yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, you can go all the way back. And so Tyrod Taylor, for me, the concern would be, will he get as many high leverage, you know, green zone touches as we talk about, Austin Eckler? And then number two, and, and just, you know, basic targets. Will he get as many targets? And we talk all the time about, or at least I, I you know, I, Jamie's mentioned that I'm a big fan of this, this stat, but running quarterbacks don't dump off as much. They scramble. And you'll see that with Tyrod Taylor. He... Go back and look at his time in Buffalo. He runs at a pretty pretty significant rate, or he takes sacks. He holds the ball. He doesn't want to throw into into coverage, and he takes some sacks and has a pretty high sack rate. But I think he's a very good quarterback. That That is one of his big flaws. You're not going to see a lot of running back targets with Tyrod Taylor. It's going to be a huge drop-off from Phillip Rivers. The only thing that could be interesting in, in this conversation, this topic, is you have a running backs coach in Anthony Lynn that will probably call a lot of design plays in the passing game for his backs because I think that's part of it. And North Turner was the same thing as one of the previous coordinators, coaches in Phillip Rivers' tenure there. But to to Ben's point, if there's ever a statuesque quarterback to say that they just want to get the ball out quick, 
and avoid taking hits, it's Phillip Rivers. He's oh, yeah. the least mobile quarterback that we've seen maybe in, in the last 15, 20 years, especially after you had the ACL tear. A couple of things. One, they used, especially late in the year after they changed offensive coordinators, they used um, Eckler more in the slot and two running backs on the field at the same time. They talked about that. He was used a little bit more as David Johnson is as a pass catcher. The other thing, and I haven't gone back fully and looked at Tyrod's target share, but his last year as a starter in Buffalo, LaShawn McCoy led the team in targets that year. So he has thrown to running backs in the past. And then finally, I just think... Like, was yeah. Anthony Lynn the coordinator there? He might have been. Um, finally, like the only th- I do think there's a chance that his targets go down on like a per snap or per game basis with Tyrod Taylor, but I don't expect his efficiency really will. I think some people give Philip Rivers credit for how good Eckler was on a per target basis, and he was just a lot better than any other running back catching passes from Philip Rivers on a per target basis. So I don't think that will hurt. I was trying to see who was the offensive coordinator that year. I think it probably was Lynn. Looks like it was uh, Rick Dennison. Well, was Lynn the running backs coach? He was. He around, I think he was around then. He may have been. Well, I'm going to give a couple of stats, and then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. So Tyrod Taylor, in his three seasons as Buffalo's starting quarterback, he was on pace for 3,018 yards to 3,469 passing yards. So let's just say about 3,300 passing yards, 15 to 23 touchdown passes, per 16 games in those three seasons. So you are talking, you look at the average of Phillip Rivers in his last seven seasons, you're talking about 1,100 fewer passing yards. And Rivers had been above 23 touchdown passes, which is a career high for Tyrod Taylor, uh, I think six straight years before throwing exactly 23 in 2019. So it's obviously going to be fewer passing yards. Keenan Allen was a top 12 wide receiver this year. He was actually number six in PPR. If Tyrod Taylor is a starting quarterback, is Keenan Allen a top 20 wide receiver for you? Top 20, yes. Very borderline. Ooh. I've got him 26 and non-16 in PPR, and I'm projecting them as if Tyrod Taylor is the starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't think Tyrod's starting 16 games for the Chargers. If if, if they're moving on for Phillip Rivers, it's with a plan in place to take one of the quarterbacks in this draft. There, there's no doubt about that, the, unless it's Brady. you know, And they're just saying we're going for it all in. We have Tom Brady locked up. And it's that type of guy. You know, it could be Tyrod as the similar situation that we saw in Cleveland, where right. it's him starting for a few games, and then let's just say it's Justin Herbert, and they turn it over there. Or if it's Tua, and then maybe he gets a little bit longer leash because Tua's not ready. But I, I can't imagine that they're making this move with the draft stock that they have as a top 10 pick without taking a chance on one of these guys, unless they're just going to say we're tanking for Trevor or whatever the case may be, you know, uh, or the kid from Ohio State. All right, the Steelers GM Kevin Colbert said Ben Roethlisberger is still on schedule for a complete recovery from elbow surgery. He's hiding a new elbow in his beard. Oh. <laughs> uh, the Jets are unlikely to resign Robbie Anderson, according to The Athletic, and they are unlikely to trade Le'Veon Bell, according to ESPN. And there is your Jets news. Cardinals running the backs, latest, they the will not today, cut though, David. With the, with the Jets, that Le'Veon is, uh, was, was playing overweight. Yeah, they're leaking out that he was overweight and not as explosive, so I'm not sure. Like, That's not a good way to trade him, though. <laughs> what the hell? Jets, just, just relegate the Jets to the XFL. Can we move on? <laughs> uh, the ratings would go up. Arizona's not going to cut David Johnson, but they could use the franchise tag on Kenyon Drake. Uh, so I think I gave this out when we were doing the HQ shows during Super Bowl week, but David Johnson was a top seven running back from weeks one through six. Chase Edmond was a top seven running back week seven and eight, and Kenyon Drake was a top four running back weeks nine through 17. So 
you want the Arizona Cardinals running back. Just hope it's one guy. Like, what do you think happens if David Johnson and Kenyon Drake are both there? They're probably splitting touches. Drake's a low end number two, and David Johnson's mostly irrelevant. That'll make Ben mad. Oakland is uh, Oakland's prepared to offer Tom Brady a two year, sixty million dollar deal. Who he actually threw for Tom Brady? No, no, the team Oakland. There is no Oakland team. Officially moved. There's no more. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Las Vegas. (laughs) They're prepared to offer Tom Brady a two year, sixty million dollar deal. He threw for three more yards last year than Derek Carr did. Three more yards. So he's better. How about that? Detroit is reportedly looking into trading Darius Slay, and they were horrible without Darius Slay last year. Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones in consecutive games absolutely lit them up. They both threw for like 330 yards and four touchdowns. Um, also, Mahomes played them without Slay and didn't do that well. That was weird. Uh, all right, those are your news and notes. Let's do uh, some emails here. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. Fantasy football at cbsi.com. We have some dynasty questions. And other stuff. All right, first email is from Alex, the commissioner of the No Lifers Fantasy Cup. My keeper league is looking to alter our fantasy football settings a bit. We currently run on half PPR, but we want your input on what you prefer. Standard PPR or half PPR, which gives the best and most equal value to different positions. Half PPR and half point per first down. Half PPR. (sighs) Sure. Next email is from Isaac. He says, subject line is drafting a bench quarterback, something that we've debated a lot on this show. Forget trading or streaming. How about just doubling the likelihood that you end up with the next Mahomes? Thoughts? Yes. End up with the next Mahomes. That would be uh, ideal. I I think it comes down to, you know, look, there, you're going to hear us, whether it's, you know, the, the four of us here, Dave, uh, Ben Trager, whoever else is going to be part of our shows, the guests we have. They're going to all say that this next guy is going to be uh, a potential superstar. It could be Joe Burrow. could be Daryl Jones. could be Dwayne Haskins, whoever the case may be. Young quarterback on the rise. Um, Tua, you know, whatever, you know, you you sort of want to attach to some of these um, these quarterbacks or somebody that maybe changes teams. If your league takes multiple quarterbacks, take a flyer on one of these guys. If your league does not and you have the chance to maybe pick them up after a couple of weeks to see how your roster looks, that's the right way to approach it. But... You know, you have to know how your 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 league is taking quarterbacks or even how the draft unfolds to see if you're taking quarterbacks. But if there's somebody that you like and you're not sold, like don't take Mahomes and somebody else with the idea of trading them. That's never a successful way to build your roster. But if you take a questionable quarterback, you know, whether it's Drew Brees at 42, however old he is, or 41, uh, Cam Newton coming off the injury, uh, you you're, you like Kyler Murray, but you're not sold on Kyler Murray. Uh, Josh Allen, same thing. Then take take one of these upside type of quarterbacks, and hope that maybe you have a good pairing with the even the the potential of the second guy being the next star. Cool. Next email is from Arthur. Good afternoon. I have a three part question in which none of the three questions have to do with each other. One is there a tight end move that would change your ranks of Kelsey and Kittle as the top two? If so, what would the scenario be? Like Hunter Henry going to New England with Brady resigning. Second, the what the hell is Zachert's. the f- Eagles trade make- Zach Ertz? So ha- Goddard, yeah, Goddard would be your top two. <laughs> no, <laughs> what if they trade Dallas Goddard? Then maybe, maybe that. Second question: What the hell is the fishbowl you guys keep talking about? I think I, I think I just referenced it when he was talking about the half point PPR. But Scott Fish is a uh, you know, somebody we talk about on the show as well. He talked about him, won the humanitarian award, um, you know, talked about him last month, I think, but a, a great guy in the industry. And he put together this 
big contest. It started out with like 180 people. It's now, I, I think, pushing 1,000 people in it. And you have all these different leagues and, and you know, everyone in the industry is, is playing in it. So that's – it's a big bowl. His not name everyone. is Fish. It's a, not everyone. Yeah, not me. I'm, I, all right, maybe this will be the year for me. Third question. South Florida Wings, Brews Room or Anthony's Coal Fire Pizza? Brews Room. I've never had Anthony's, but I have a hard time believing they're better than Brews Room smoked wings. Oh, Triple Threat is the best. Well, trip with with the Triple Threat on it, but yes, yet there's they have the fried and they have the smoked. Get the smoked with the Triple Threat. And and Anthony's I are had fantastic the triple too. Threat. Anthony's are fantastic too, but Brews Room is better. I had the Triple Threat when what, I was is, down there, and I, I'll, what I'll put it? a stamp of approval on them too. Triple Threat. It, uh, explain. It's like teriyaki barbecue and and hot sauce, right? It's like three uh, different no. Sauce. Garlic, yeah, yeah. There's, there's no. What are you talking about, so, Ben? No, there's no teriyaki. Garlic barbecue and hot sauce, right? Like regular buffalo. Ah, glad I asked. I am. All right. Uh, here's Fran from Argentina Dynasty League. I got the following trade offer: I'd give up Devin Singletary, and I would receive DK Metcalf and Damian Williams. Would you give up Devin Singletary in a Dynasty League for Metcalf and Damian Williams? If you have to win now, yes. I think I'd give him up for Metcalf straight up. Uh, yes, I would do that. And there's a plug. There's a Dynasty trade chart on the website that would tell you you should do that. CBSSports.com. All right. Two more emails. Alex, dear Bill, Damian, LaMarcus, and Brandon. Bill, Damian, LaMarcus, and Brandon. Those are Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Terrible Can you name sport. them all? I commission our home league. Adam, you're the basketball yeah, guy. Can, can you name them all? Let's see. Of course I can name them all. They are Bill Stop Walton, Damian. I'm not I, – I do. you know what? I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. It's too easy. Okay. How, he wants – this is a good question here. He doesn't know the Brandon. <laughs> no, he doesn't. The Brandon? Yeah. Oh, do I not know the Brandon? You don't. Brandon. You don't uh, who is it? Brand, what's his name? Career cut year? short by injuries, man. He was a superstar. He super played star. at UW when I was at in oh. school. And he was amazing at UW. He got traded on draft night for OJ Mayo, right? Is that part uh, of the trade? Maybe. What's his last name? Roy. Brandon Roy. Yes, I'm pretty sure. I knew that. All right. Um, <laughs> Two-keeper league. Two-round premium. So cannot keep anyone drafted in the first two rounds. Uh, waiver wire keepers cost an 11th round pick, and a second waiver wire keeper costs a 12th round pick. But we're having a hard time figuring out what the premium should be for players who were drafted, dropped, and then picked up off the waiver wire. For example, someone got frustrated early and dropped Mixon, who was originally originally drafted in the second round. If I wanted to keep him, do I get to pay the waiver wire ad price for an 11th or the draft price for a second? Or what do you do in that situation? We actually have one of these rules in place in one of my keeper leagues where you're not allowed to keep these players if they're drafted. Interesting. Drops, I drafted. have a league like this as well, and we attach the draft uh, round to. I have a league like this, and we make them waiver wire additions. I, I would so probably go with. Front. I'd probably go with beds of their draft value is what you have to keep them at. By the way. Not surprised. I'm sure you're not surprised. I was wrong about the trade. It was OJ Mayo for Kevin Love on draft night, not Brandon Roy. All right, last email from Chris. Who wins this trade? Leonard Fournette and Deontay Johnson for Terry McLaurin 
And the 2020 1.6 pick, six picks of the first round. Fournette and Deontay Johnson for McLaurin and the sixth pick of the first round. Team B. I'll take the um, young guys. Long-term, the young guys, if you need to win now at the Fournette side. Uh, yeah, I think McLaurin is the most valuable piece in the deal, and the number six pick is almost the second most valuable pick. So I will take uh, the McLaurin side. Is there a trade chart I could see somewhere, Heath? CBSSports.com, or you can just Google Dynasty Trade Chart, CBS Sports, or Heath Cummings. Could do that. Yeah. Anything with Adam Azer. Don't ever Google that. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you want to see Heath incorrectly quote me on Twitter, you know, he's doing that uh, during, during the show, so that's fun. Thank you for participating in our Twitter polls and our Facebook group. Make sure you join the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Today. Tomorrow... Uh, They're going to talk about the rookie tight ends and what we can expect from Hawkinson and and the rest of them uh, in 2020 and beyond. Thanks again. I'm Adam Azer. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.